I went to the, to the hospital uh, because, because I, I like the sun, I've got a few of these skin cancers and uh, periodically I go up and the surgeon puts his microscope on me and then he gives me some ointment and I went to collect the ointment and um, they, they ask you a question. They say, what is your name? So I tell them my name and then they say, when were you born? And I usually give them a wrong answer. And they say, you've given the wrong answer. Well, why did you do that? I said, just to be sure that you know that what's on the, on the, the, the little piece of paper is correct. Now I'll give you the right answer. And so I gave the right answer, and it was, I was born on such and such a day, and such and such a year, in such and such and such and such. And being a bit of a, a loud mouth, I spoke quite loudly. And as I'm going out, there was a lady, um, quite a nice pretty lady, and she said to me, said, you know, she said, I was born on the same day in the same year as you. Now I said, you weren't born in the same year. Maybe born on the same day in the same month. I said, you're much younger than I am. Oh, yes, she said, that's correct, yes. <laughs> so, you know, it's easy to be deceived. And then we got talking. And uh, she told me that she... Uh, was having some treatment for a cancer and uh, we got she's a French lady came to England married an Englishman and uh, I said do you have any children and she said no she said uh, this cancer I have is causing problems so I said to her do you uh, ever pray she said well I know about religion I said but you ever pray and you know she said no I don't and I thought she looked so helpless so helpless strong healthy looking woman who wanted to have children but she was had a, a problem which was preventing her and in her helplessness at least I looked at her I said to her why don't you pray and ask God to help you why don't you pray and ask God to help you and she said thank you and then I went on my way but the idea of her helplessness made me think perhaps there might be somebody in Hemel Hempstead who has a problem a difficulty um, and they're struggling with it so I thought we'd set, share some thoughts on Hebrews chapter 13 so if you have your Bibles and you want to follow what I'm going to say if you turn to Hebrews 13 it will be easy enough to follow now in Hebrews chapter 13 there is a promise that God made in the Old Testament he made it to Moses, he made it to Joshua, he made it to David, and he made it to Solomon. And this is the promise. Never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. Now that's a wonderful thing for God to say. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But actually, when you uh, know a little bit about the original language, 
there's a double negative. And so some translations get it quite right and it reads like this. Never, I will never, never leave you. I will never, never forsake you. There's a double name. I will never, never leave you. I will never, never forsake you. Now God says that to all his children. It doesn't matter who they are, what they are, or where they are. And would you agree with me this morning, because most of you have some idea of Christianity, would you agree with me that God is saying that to you and to me? I will never, never leave you. I will never, never forsake you. Do you agree with that? Yes. Now, the thing is, the Apostle Paul said it, but he drew a conclusion from it. And notice what he says in verse 6. Because God has said, I will never, never leave you. I will never, never forsake you. We can say with confidence, we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. We can say that. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. You know, when you're young, and I was young one time, Cor reminded me of that this morning. You know, when you're young, you can do anything. You can do anything when you're young. Nobody can knock you down. But when you're not so young, when you go over 25, you know, some, some elements of, of old age creep in, you know. You find your Boer War wound or, or your, your leg that doesn't work so well. And, and of course, your brain is a bit slower. But God has said, I will be your helper. And I thought of this woman in the Mount Vernon Hospital, and I thought of her helplessness. And I told her, pray to God and ask him to help you. And the reason I said that, because God has power. God has power to help us. Have you ever been asked by somebody to give them help and you haven't been able to do it? Have you ever had that experience? They look for help and you can't help them. But God can Let's look at a couple of texts that might help us. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 40. That's the book of Isaiah. And let's look at the, the 40th chapter. And notice what God says here in Isaiah chapter 40. And we look at verse 25 and 26. Isaiah chapter 40 and 25 and 26 and this is what God says to whom will you compare me or who is my equal says the Holy One who can compare with me says God then he says in verse 26 lift your eyes and look to the heavens who created all these things he who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength not one of them is missing now have you ever looked at the stars in the sky have you ever tried to count them have you ever tried to count them is there nobody here who's ever tried to count the stars 
I definitely must be... Thank you. Here's a man who's tried to count the stars. And you can count them. You know, if you, if you lie on your back and the sky is clear and you start counting them, you count them. And you can get up to about 70 or 80. And then your eyes get kind of confused and you don't know whether you've counted this one and that one. But how many stars do the astronomers tell us are in the sky? They talk about this ridiculous word, billions. What in heaven's name is a billion? But they say there are so many stars that they're uncountable. And God says, you look at them, you look at them, and remember, it is my power, my power, that keeps them up there. And I know every one of them by name. That's what Isaiah, what God says to Isaiah. Let's look at another text. Let's look, look at Psalm 147. Go back a few pages. Psalm 147. And here in Psalm 147, we read these lovely words. Psalm 147. And look in verse 4. It says, He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Would you agree that we can say the Lord is a powerful helper. And he, has the, he, has the, he has the resources, the energy that is required to keep the starry host up there functioning. But if you go back to verse 3 in Psalm 147, notice what it says. It says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Have you ever had a broken heart? The other day, just a, I hate this all this medical thing, but I, I went over to the dentist. And uh, while I was there, they asked me to fill in a form. And, oh, it's so complicated filling in these forms. And there was a young lady sitting beside me. And so I said, would you help me? She said, oh, yes. So she helped me, and I filled in all the forms. And then I said, you know, how are you getting on? Oh, she said, I've broken up with my boyfriend. And she said, my heart is broken. I said, don't worry, you'll break a few more hearts before you're finished. <laughs> Sorry? That's what she said, my heart is broken. You see, only God, only God has the power to heal a broken heart. Only God has the power to heal a broken heart but he can do it so we could say the Lord is my helper and he is a powerful helper but you know it's alright to talk about God being a powerful helper but we need help when we're in trouble not just that God is a Scott who has all the power to keep the stars in the sky but we want a God who will help us when we need it Remember what the psalmist says? God is our refuge and strength. And what? 
a very no it doesn't say that and interesting it says a present help in trouble but our sister king likes to add to the scriptures so she says a very present help so it's all right but god is our refuge and strength a present help in trouble now i've seen this work out in the lives of people and when i what directed me to to this idea of god being a present help was when i was working in leeds there was an old lady there her name was mrs hibbert i remember her and she had arthritis you know arthritis when you can't move and she'd moved into a uh, into a flat and one evening just when it's this time of the year she got up and just went over and put the light switch on you know you often put the light switch on light comes on she put the light switch on and the light went pfft. have you ever had that happen you put the light on pfft. and she was in the darkness in the darkness with no possibility of changing a light bulb and what did she say she told me she said lord help me and just when she said it there was a knock on her door and so she said come in boy came in he was a newspaper boy and every night he would come and knock on her door never knock on her door just put the paper through the letter box but this particular night the regular newsboy was not delivering the papers one of his friends was doing it and when he got to mrs hibbert's house he couldn't remember do i put a paper here or don't i so what did he do he knocked to find out and when he knocked to find out mrs hibbert had just said lord help me god is not only a powerful helper he is a present help now we have another story in the bible which i like very much is the story of a of a man who i think he was either a west indian or an irishman and his name was peter he was always getting into trouble if anybody had anything anything to say it was peter well one night he's in a boat on the lake of galilee and he's got his his fellow uh, disciples with him and jesus has been on the shore he's just done the marvelous miracle of feeding 5000 people ex- including women and children uh, making about 10 or 11000 and the peter's in the boat and he sees jesus walking across the water and he is scared witless and jesus looks at the boys in the boat and what does he say he says peace it is me what does our friend peter do <laughs> oh, can you imagine it a fisherman he says lord if it's you if it's you lord tell me to come on the sea and jesus come 
Come. Can you imagine it? Now, I'm dopey, really dopey. But even I wouldn't try to walk on the water. Even I wouldn't try to do that. So we used to do it. Don't you remember when you were a boy? Don't you remember? How you'd walk, walk, and then just try to walk on the top of the water and splash into it. Didn't that happen to you? Thank you. Nod your head so I know you're a liar. Good. Okay. So Peter is in the water and he finds himself walking. Can you imagine it? I heard a preacher preach about this. And here he said, he said, Peter may have failed, but he's the only man I know who's walked on water. As though that was a kind of, kind of a wonderful thing to do. It was a stupid thing to do. And so, he certainly has a, an illumination. What in heaven's name am I doing walking on the water and so he starts to, and he makes a prayer. He makes a prayer. You know, it's a wonderful prayer, and it's one of the kind of prayers that get answers. It's short, direct, and to the point. What was the prayer, brother? Come on, you see me looking at you, tell me. What was the prayer? No, it wasn't, please, God help me. So it's the, the essence. What was the prayer, young man? Look, look, you're sinking in the sea. You're going down. That's right. Lord, save me. Notice that very economical prayer. No long-winded prayers you know, that take you all around the world, three short words, Lord, save me. And when did he need the help? He needed it there and then. Jesus didn't say to him, Peter, I have just the book you need to read. It's called How to Learn to Swim in Ten Easy Lessons. You see, it wouldn't do any good. God is a powerful helper. He is a powerful helper. <coughs> but he needs to be a present helper. He needs to be a, a present helper. But he needs to be more than a powerful helper. He needs to be more than a present helper. He has to be a personal helper. He has to be my helper. And that's one of the great failings of the Christian faith and Christians in general. They don't realize what Paul actually said in Hebrews, I will never, never leave you. I will never, never forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. But we don't, we don't say it with the, with the, the sense that it will, he will actually help us. And we need to know that he has the power to help us. We need to know that he will help us when we need it. He is a present helper. But he must be my helper. He must be my helper. Several years ago, long time now, I went to a series of lectures in London by a man called Malcolm Muggeridge. I don't know if any of you remember him. 
It's a kind of history lesson to remember Mr. Muggeridge. So when you, mud, when you nod your head, Francis, it says something about your uh, chronology. <laughs> You're over 25. Um, anyway, I went to these lectures. And if you knew Malcolm Mug, he was, a, he was a marvelous speaker. He was a marvelous speaker. And he would hold people, you know, just hold them. So, and at the end of every lecture, there was a question time. And uh, myself and another friend, we thought we said we thought we were very smart. And when the questions would be brought, we'd say, "Mr. Muggers, are you a dualist? Are you a Manichaean?" And he'd say, "No, no," and he'd give a long and involved answer. And then lectures came to an end. Came to an end, and the very last meeting, the opportunity to ask questions for the final time, and people stood up and asked questions. Um, my friend and I didn't ask because we, we didn't have any more questions. And then a young lady stood up. I don't know how old she was. I would think she's between 20 and 30. But she stood up and Muggeridge said, Yes, my dear, yes, my dear. She said, Mr. Muggeridge, I don't want to ask you any questions. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. And this is what she said. When Muggeridge began the lectures, he made a statement. He said, I want you to know that the only reality in the universe is Jesus Christ. The only reality in the universe is Jesus Christ. He is the only fixed reality in the universe upon whom you can depend. And he, he said to us, you know, he said, you... The congregation, about 15, maybe 2,000 people. He said, in the ancient times on the sailing ships, he said when the captain would go into a storm, he would take a rope and he would tie himself to the wheel so that he wouldn't be blown overboard. And he said, you, you group of people, he said, you should tie yourself to Jesus Christ because he is the only reality in the universe. And this girl said, Mr. Muggeridge, I just want to thank you. And then she said, when you began these lectures, you told us to bind ourselves to Christ like the sea captain. He said, I don't know why I've come to these meetings. I had no intention of coming. But I found myself following the people who are going into this building, and I went in there. And she said, I've been trying to do what you said. I've been trying to bind my life to Jesus Christ. She said, I grew up in a home. We knew about religion, but it wasn't very special. Because I went to university, I got into bad company, I started taking drugs. She said, I got into real trouble. I had an abortion. I was sent to prison. And she said, my life has just fallen apart. But she said, what you have said has encouraged me to try and take my life and bind it to Jesus Christ. Now you can imagine, this man, Malcolm Muggeridge, came down off the podium, walked right down, and he put his arms around the girl. And if you knew this man, the tears were streaming down his face. And he turned to all of us and he says, he says, ladies and gentlemen,
This is what Christianity is about. And put his arm around the girl. I've never forgotten it. I've never forgotten it. I've never forgotten it. I can see it now as I'm telling it to you. I can see him walking down and putting his arm around the girl. And then he was crying and the girl was crying. And a lot of people were crying. Even I was crying. Even I was crying. What a beautiful thing to put your arm around a struggling sinner and cry with her and encourage her to put her arms around Christ. See, God is a powerful helper. He has all the power in the world. God is a present helper. But he has to be my helper. He has to be your helper. He has to be a personal helper. Or it won't do any good. It's just talk in our heads and words coming out of our mouth. But to feel the arms of Christ around you is to know a security that nothing in this world can destroy. You know, the world is full of people who are lonely. Dominique, you told us about that in the Sabbath school. People who are old are lonely. But young people are lonely. Young people are lonely. But in Christ, there is friendship, secure, strong, and powerful, that can put us on our feet. And so we say, I will never, never leave you. I will never, never forsake you. And we can say with confidence, the Lord is a powerful helper. He's a present helper. And he is my helper. God bless us.